This show is brought to you by SmartWool. SmartWool makes merino wool socks, layers, and apparel to fuel your adventure outside because they want to see you doing what you love, whether you're a peak bagger or a trailhead tailgater. SmartWool is here to make sure your good times don't get spoiled by Mother Nature. So get outside and get comfortable out of your comfort zone and see what nature has to offer, even if it's your nature, just to kick back. Go far and feel good. This episode is brought to you by Elevated Surfcraft, shaping the way we ride frozen waves. Elevated Surfcraft, tailoring surf-inspired boards for snow. Pick up a board from their web shop and be sure to use the code DS15 at checkout. We'd love to give a shout out to Ken Akenbaka Pro Standard. Pro Standard makes a full line of GoPro mounts, including the grill mount, the single most versatile GoPro mount ever made. Be sure to use the code DARKSTARTS for free shipping when you order at ProStandard.com. This episode is also brought to you by CBD Ingenuity. CBD Ingenuity's mission is to provide easy access to the world's highest quality, full-spectrum CBD oil. At CBD Ingenuity, they're fully committed to using organic as well as all natural and ethically sourced materials to craft their innovative pain relief products. Head over to CBDingenuity.com and use the code DS10 for your 10% discount. Fuck yeah, boys! Cowtown! My passion is splitboarding. It's walking. It's those quiet moments. It's earning your turns. It's being at one in the mountains. Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. This week, we're talking with Ty Mills, founder and owner of All Aspects Alpine out of Golden, British Columbia. Ty has been riding and guiding all the local aspects for well over a decade. And in this one, he spoke with us about his history in the backcountry, which led to him being the second ACMG guide to certified riding a splitboard. So sit back and let's listen in to Ty Mills. Let's drop in with Ty Mills of AAABackcountryGuides.com. All aspects, Alpine out of Golden, BC. Dude, so we were just talking about the boards you're riding this year offline, and we need to tell the audience because those things sound fucking epic. Thanks, Chad. Well, thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me on. I've been listening to uh, the episodes since the fall, and it's been a blast. Uh, the variety of, of guests um, and a lot of people I've never heard of, obviously. You're not going to hear about everybody. But they've been some of the most interesting stories, and I really appreciated having that. Uh, opportunity so thanks you guys thanks for putting your blood sweat and tears into it well we appreciate it and thanks for coming on and thanks for uh getting this to happen like this because it's awesome it's a yeah. labor of love yeah dude, lots of fun <laughs> lots of fun well and it has to have a bit of passion right and it does i think uh it's kind of synonymous with splitboarding whereas uh most of us are pretty passionate about it and um if if you survived for the last 10, 20 years doing it, then you're stubborn and you love it and you're going to do it for a long time. Yeah. 10-4. I hear it. I get it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, so Chad, um, <clears throat> yeah, this year I um, aligned myself with Ogasaka 
snowboards out of Japan. They're actually from uh, Nagano. Mm. And just um well they're not a small company but they're not they're not a huge mega brand and most people haven't heard of them right but they've been making skis for like a hundred years they're one of the oldest factories in japan and they started making snowboards in 87 and they just started making splitboards a couple years ago a really good friend of mine who's a japanese splitboard guide uh yusuke he actually has been their main one of their main developers and designers and he came up with this board the facet and <laughs> so he he gave me a shout um last year and said hey ty these guys want to check you out and at that time i was riding boards for another company so i was pretty coy um but i i was also very flattered um because you know i'm not a big instagram legend or anything but um for someone to take interest and and want to you know court me a little i was like oh man i'd love to come see your factory and check it out Mm -hmm. so i did they lent me a board while i was in japan and then i went and checked the factory out and it was such a cool experience like the whole management team came out and you know just classic amazing japanese style like just so friendly and courteous and then everyone lined up and shook my hand and gave me their business card and the owner is like 80 years old, Mr. Ogasaka. He came from to- Tokyo for the day just to meet me. What? And Damn. yeah, it was like such a cool experience. Um, so it's like and then, in the movies, the same thing where everybody lines up and they all just like they sell it. I'm not going to say it, but you know, the Americans show up and they all shake their hands because they're proud of their product. I mean, awesome. I'm guilty as charged, Chad. That's how I felt too. Like that's, <laughs> I, I didn't it's have awesome, any experience man. with it, but yeah. that's how I imagined it would be. And, right. and it was just really neat. Cool. Um, so these guys, uh, yeah, this year they sent me out a bunch of their boards and they're freaking amazing. They're amazing. They're, I could say I've ridden a lot of split boards in my time, you know, close to 20 years now. And they are easily the nicest board I've ever been on. The, the craftsmanship blows away any other board I've ever seen. It's just the attention to detail um, and the quality of the parts they use and the precision is just amazing. Like when the board showed up at my house here this fall, I had a buddy over and I opened this boxes and he's like, ha ha, he started laughing. I'm like, what, what are you laughing about? He's like, they fucked up. They sent you solids. I'm like, no, they didn't, dude. Look. And he couldn't see. That was so tight. Holy shit. He couldn't shit. see the line on. <laughs> You're like, uh, <laughs> these are definitely splits. In, so in your experience, Ty, with split boards in the past, what um, when it comes to that tolerance between the boards um, and and how precise Ogasaka is making theirs, like, does it make that much of a difference when you're riding it as a solid? I mean, that's a great question, Darren. And I, and I've, you know, you're going to have different opinions, right? When you ask that kind of question, but you know, I've been riding boards, not as long as Buffery or these other, these other guys, but you know, from the beginning of the two thousands. And, um, I've also, at that time I was a ski bum. So I rode the crap out of my boards. And if you ride anything long enough, you're going to have a gash down the middle and some play in it and for sure the bottom line is guys like back when we were riding those old boards and we had heavy binding systems and everything and we were just shredding pow it didn't matter what you were on no you were shredding pow and it still doesn't matter um to that 
point. But when we start talking about, yeah, the difference, uh, like, does it make a huge difference? Yeah, probably. Like, I definitely feel like this, these new boards, like, they ride just amazing. And I guess I can attribute it to the craftsmanship and, but just, I guess, the shape, the profile, the camber profile, it, uh, it all comes together. Um, and, and often it's those little things. I mean, dude, when there's pow coming spraying up the middle of your board, um, does it alter your experience? <laughs> Just a little I think bit. if you're shredding a steep power run and you're having the day of your life, hell no, it doesn't. No. But, you know, is it better without it? Yes, I think so. So that's interesting. Have you ever had that be the case where you've had pow squirting up the middle of your board? Oh, yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah, because I've had, like, a, you know, I've, I've been doing it a while, so... I've had a bunch of different brands and I've had a bunch of different, uh, you know, hook systems in the middle and I'm not sure what the appropriate word for that is anymore, but, um, yeah, good point. you know, there, there's lots of different stuff. So yeah, I've, I've had that. I've had the chattery boards. I've had boards break several times. Um, when, when the carbon boards first started coming out, I was breaking them. So I just shied away from carbon after that. I can um, see that. But yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, so and and in your your background in splitboarding, everything's just been evolving since you started, right? Like everything, everything totally. just has been getting better and better and better. Because it's funny how you say, uh, you know, I haven't been riding as long as Buffy and those guys just since the early two thousands. Dude, the early two thousands is pretty fucking early in splitboarding, man. It's like <laughs> like super infancy. I know. Well, I'm not a young guy anymore either, but. Um, yeah, I mean, when I first started, uh, you know, I was, I guess what Joey called them, the misery slippers, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was a master of the misery slippers. I, at first, like, I guess I moved to golden in 2002 and, uh, right away was just like, holy shit, look at the mountains around here. Right. Like it was a step up from what I'd been doing. Um, and that first season I got into backcountry um, pretty heavily, but I, initially was just uh, boot packing because we had all these systems of boot packs just the way the terrain works around here it worked fine um then i realized okay i need snowshoes i need to go a little further a little deeper um and then rogers pass is just 45 minutes away so that was definitely okay gotta go there um and so we got snowshoes and i was going everywhere like huge tours all the main tours that are in Rogers Pass that are in the book now, I did them all on snowshoes. Fuck. And, you know, I like remember meeting people up on top of a peak in the middle of nowhere, and they are, here comes this guy in snowshoes, and they're just like, what the hell? <laughs> and uh, I was so stubborn. I wanted to snowboard. I wanted to snowboard these peaks, and I wanted to shred pow, and I wanted to soul surf down the mountain, and so I was determined. And... I remember seeing a guy, I think it was 2002, this guy came past me on a split board. And I was like, what? Look <laughs> at that thing. What the heck? I got to get one of those. So I did a little bit of research. And at that time, there was really not many people making them. Or as far as I could see, there was basically Volet and Pryor right. in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, 
and a few others. So I was a Canadian boy. I thought I'm going to get a prior. So I saved up, I think it was a thousand bucks, which was a big deal for a 20 something. Right. And, uh, I was kind of like, is, uh, man. Still is. Oh yeah, sure. It, it is. But you know, it's funny. Like the boards have only gone up a hundred or two bucks. Yeah. So, like a couple the, hundred bucks. Like the skateboarding industry. Skateboards yeah. are still 200 bucks for a complete or 250 right. since the eighties. <laughs> but I, I was like Darren too, where I was like, oh, I need a huge, I need a huge snowboard for backcountry power. <laughs> So I ordered like a 172 prior split. So this big black beast shows up their backcountry board. And of course, at that time it was the Volley plates. Oh, and yeah. I had these heavy K2 bindings. So my setup was like ridiculously heavy. But it was such an awesome step up from snowshoeing. The snowshoeing I was doing. And man, that I just started devouring the terrain after that. I was so psyched. And then I never looked back. I was like, splitboarding, hills, yeah, doing this. So you never got like sucked into having to do your stuff on a, on on <clears throat> skis, <laughs> like everybody else is getting forced nowadays. At least patrollers are. And I know you never patrol. I'm not saying that, but you know they are. A lot of places are or were caught making you get your AST or any kind of avalanche uh, guiding kind of business on skis. Well, I think that I was like super, super fortunate in that, um, you know, I was doing it and I was a ski bum. I didn't care what anyone else thought and I was stubborn. Um, and I had a really strong core of friends and we just started getting after it for like, you know, we were averaging 100 plus days of backcountry every single winter and like at least 50 of those in Rogers Pass. And back at that time it wasn't as busy and um i just started we started getting really strong we were we were doing a lot of cool things yeah. and this was before instagram so <laughs> we did like tons of first descents there was in a the time before instagram yeah well it didn't exist right because it <laughs> wasn't just instagram, so, so in the um, Rockies, yeah. but and in rogers pass like um a lot of those guys from the Revelstoke side and, and us from Golden, we used to team up in Rogers Pass and lay down first ascents in the park with like nine people shredding a peak. And it was a really cool time. Um, but as I got stronger and stronger and more, more backcountry experience, um, you know, I guess word got out in the small snowboard community. And um, I think I just had just done this big, huge epic trip to india and france one winter winter and um i came back and the the following fall my good buddy phoned me and said hey um i got you into the bald face training if you want to come and i was like what if <laughs> yeah i'm like what bald face yeah. he's like yeah man so if you want to come like i'm like yeah he's like okay you got to come to my house tonight i'm like what you're in revelstoke dude He's like, yeah, and we're driving to Baldface tomorrow. Like, okay, I'm packing right now. So uh, my good friend, Greg Johnson, who's also a splitboarder and an ACMG guide and, and a gifted engineer. And um, anyways, he got me into the training, and that was my intro to Baldface Cat Skiing Lodge and JP and Buff and, and everyone down there. And uh, had an amazing time there and kind of blew, blew my socks off. And I kind of was like, wow 
people get paid to do this job? Right. Holy crap. Right. This is what I got to do. Right. And I certainly had been aiming at guiding. Right. Like my, my trajectory was to become an ACMG guide at that time. Mm-hmm. But also like there were none at that point yet. The, the Scott Newsom was an apprentice guide at that time. And I think there were like Craig had also, he was also getting into the program prior to his passing. But he also like there, it was just in its infancy as, as far as that went. Um, so this was just an amazing opportunity. Um, so these guys got me in down there. I went to the training and then, uh, my buddy Greg said, Hey, he asked JP actually. And, uh, Hey, can I give Ty one of my weeks this winter? And I guess they liked me. So they said, yeah, you bet. So that was how I got in. He gave me a week there. And uh, then I did my week and those guys gave me a couple more weeks. And then uh, that was the start of my, my career at Baldface, which really, really was instrumental in who I am today. That's awesome. Just the mentorship and uh, the support for snowboarding at that time. Right. um, Which was really an uphill battle um, going into the ACMG as well. So those guys just were instrumental that way for me. Well, it's because, you know, Jeff loves snowboarding. You know, oh, yeah. bald face was about snowboarding. You know, because it was, it's funny. I was, um, I remember I just finished talking, meeting a guy named uh, Mike Legrese. And uh, he was working at, at the Island Lake Lodge. And I remember back in the 90s, it was like that was the spot. All the fucking magazines were all going to Island Lake Lodge, you know, and that was the place. I guess they didn't convert over to the snowboarding side or as friendly as like, you know, bald face walks in the scene and it's like, okay, everybody's coming here now. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. yeah. I was, I've always wanted to go to that place as well, but yeah, I, I really like what they've got going on. And then they've, uh, you know, this year they've expanded their operations over at bald face into Valhalla. Is it cat, mm-hmm. cat ski? Well, now it's bald face Valhalla, okay. but it was Valhalla cat. Yeah, Bell yeah. yeah, which is awesome. Like he's, yeah, he, totally. he's, uh, he's quite the awesome guy. We've had some discussions off, you know, like, I, like buddies. I was like, wow, I'm proud to feel I can actually call Jeff sometimes. Not, not now <laughs> he's fucking busy, but when he's off season, it's like I can actually talk to him. But yeah. It's pretty cool. So yeah, so you've had that experience. You've actually worked. So that was your, your crutch was, I mean, that was your, like your first drug was getting to experience bald face guiding. And then from there you've traveled the world. So tell us a little bit more about where you've been around the world. Well, yeah. So I guess, I mean, my first big, I mean, I was a traveler in my twenties, early twenties, uh, did a bunch of years of, of actually skipped winter for two, for two years and just went, you know, uh, backpacking in Central America and traveled around a fair bit. Um, and then actually I, when I was 25, I, t- I took a year to the oil patch and no way. Uh, I did, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but, um, cause I was living in Salmon Arm, which is beautiful lake country and good, good snowy mountains. And, but you know, I thought, Hey, I'm going to go check it out, make some money and, you know, go see what it's all about. And so I actually found myself in Red Deer and, uh, spent a year there and, you know, I was right on the verge of like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I had accomplished my goals, but I just wasn't inspired living there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one day, you know, I had some friends in town 
we got all our gear together and I went out and actually bought a brand new snowboard and a brand new whole setup because I was like, we're going snowboarding. Like, I'm so fired up. And we went to this resort called Nikiska, mm-hmm. and uh, which is not known for its powder skiing. Um, but they had a sick park. And at that time, I was still into park. And don't get me wrong, I was never like an epic park rider or anything. But I, I went for it, and I, I got exhilarated, and I, I was stoked. But that, this day, we went there. And um, of course, there's this super cute girl, too. So being young and 20, and I was showing off. and. I ended up having a massive crash and <laughs> and broke my pelvis. Oh, that that's day. not funny. That part's not no. funny. No, so that's oh, that's a that's whole a side injury. story. But so that's my worst injury I've ever had snowboarding by far. Um, but I was really fortunate because I was a pretty fit person at that time and just the way it broke, uh, I had no internal bleeding. I had no I didn't have to get any screws or anything i just i was yeah i was totally fortunate the way it played out yeah um but i was basically couch ridden for three months and then you know kind of starting from scratch again my doctor basically said like hey you know you can't do anything fun for a long time like you can't (laughs) so i was like oh how am i gonna hang out with my buddies while they're doing all this stuff so I actually called up my aunt and moved to England for a year. So, and, oh, wow. So that's what got yeah. you out of the patch or else you'd have been stuck there. Exactly. That segued me out of there. Beautiful. And then um, when I was coming home, for, I did a year there and I thought, well, what am I going to do? And that's when my buddy said, hey, I'm living in Golden. Come check it out. Mm. And so that opened the door to me coming here. So just to get back to your question about the the traveling and stuff. It's okay. Um, rants are allowed here. Okay. So yeah, anyways. As long as uh, that it's was not all us. My... <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to rant. That's okay. <laughs> Is there a, like a button I can press when you're ranting for too long? Or you just tell me to shut up. It's the shut the fuck up button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I moved back to Canada and I hung out in golden and I took a bit of a hiatus off traveling, um, just to shred. And then I was working, I was a seasonal worker. I was a fishing guide every summer and a tree planter. Um, but then this one year I have a good, good buddy of mine. That is someone I'd consider a ski celebrity. Um, Hey Ty, hey, Ty real quick. Sorry, yeah. man. Just your mic. Is it like getting caught up in your shirt and moving around and stuff? It's your, how's that? That's good. That's good there. Yeah. Did, did just you get you were to, moving around a lot. Did you something. get up to go pee because of all the beers you're drinking? Or what? <laughs> no. <laughs> probably got caught caught in my jowls there. But. <laughs> Sorry, man. Didn't mean to interrupt your flow. It was just No, no, uh, that's all good. All good. Um yeah, a good buddy of mine, Peter Spryce next. He lives in McGrav now, but he uh was living in Golden for a few years and he's kind of a big mountain skier and um and he has a different he has a different path, but he's an amazing human. Um, he said he had gone to um, Gulmarg, which is in Kashmir in India, the year before, oh, yeah. and they were starting up this ski resort there because in the eighties the French put in a gondola, and then it was just sightseeing. But back, I guess this was two thousand seven ish. They decided to make it a, a ski resort, or, or at least give it a a try. So they brought in these guys from different places, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and whatnot, to help 
them set it up. And so Pitor went there and he came back with these stories, right? Just like insane stories of uh, Indian food and culture and, oh, and like rad, rad skiing and yeah, just adventure. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, that was like, Oh man, I gotta do that. Yeah. And I remember just the for the next... food, no, not for the ski, yeah. just the food. Yeah. <laughs> for all of it. <laughs> There might, yeah, I think the hashish played a part too. Nice. But. What? <laughs> nice. Okay, um, now you got, you spiked my interest now. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, that whole side of things. It's just the, it's what you picture, right? The, the exoticness of India. So it's just, it was fantastic. So anyways, uh, Pitor asked me the next year, hey, do you want to come to India? And I was like, uh, Yeah. And I just happened to have a little bankroll saved up from the summer. So I was like, fuck it. And I bought a ticket and uh, we went to uh, Chamonix for three weeks. And then we went to India for three months shredding. And uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stories there too. But that, that kind of lit my fire to the like, oh, wow. Okay. Traveling and powder and snowboarding. Okay. This is next level. This is... This is what I want to work towards. So like at that time I was still working on becoming a guide. So that was my, my like main hundred percent focus, but I knew that one day I wanted to circle back nice. to that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, once, uh, I think it was what, five years ago, uh, my same friend, Greg Johnson had been working for a company out of Colorado, uh, named 40 tribes. Have you guys heard of them? 40 tribes backcountry just recently yeah. uh, you gotta look them up um ryan copel runs that company he was the uh, original founder and he's still the main guy there and he's created this amazing company that offers trips all over the planet to like pretty wild places and not trips that you would go with your mom and dad like like wild places and so you can go experience like pure adventure and shredding powder in the same time. I need to ask you one question. Okay. Why would I take my dad snowboarding on a trip? He doesn't <laughs> well, what snowboard. If your, <laughs> <laughs> what if your mom and dad were paying? Uh, fuck. What if they're shredders? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we talked about that today actually. But anyways, yeah. I, there's a lot of mom and dad shredders out there. Yeah, there are. There is now. We're old I, had too, couple, so. I had a couple. I had a couple. Brittany, Brittany was talking about her mom shredding. Yeah, that was. And I was like, awesome. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just busting your chops. Oh yeah. No, that's that's awesome. We'll have to look those guys up. You maybe have to give us a good little bit of a contact so we can actually interview them and. Uh, find well, yeah. Dude, you, gonna... just, you just opened up a whole new world to my shred diverse. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you just well, made up a word. A <laughs> I mean, I think like this is a whole another topic, guys. Is like uh, there is kind of an evolution of a backcountry skier. You you start with where you guys are, and you end with, or you don't end, but you you Build. evolve to yeah. these super wild and fun trips. Maybe they're not overseas. Maybe they're to Alaska, to huts in BC or backcountry like camps and stuff like that. But that's where they get to for yeah. a lot of people. I want I want to travel the world doing. You this. just helped me figure it out what I'm going to do with all this podcast money. Yeah, <laughs> where, where's the money coming? I'm still waiting. Still waiting. 
Okay. Well, it's, my a, lottery it's all about winnings. relationships. <laughs> you funny. might not have to be a transfer of money, but maybe you can pull off one of these trips. And, there you uh, go. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's how I met um, David Perez from Splitboard Mag. He came out to Kyrgyzstan to come shredding with us on our um, annual Split Fest trip. And uh, he's an awesome dude. So, but that's how he, that was partly how he came out on one of those trips. Um, kind of a mutual deal. And uh, it was really cool nice. to meet him that way. But yeah, Ryan does a, a Split Fest every year in Kyrgyzstan. And um, that was so freaking fun. Fest. I mean, it's, it's many, it's six people, right? It's, it's we're staying in yurts we're up in the mountains it's a pretty wild place i'm but... still down i'm still yeah, totally same. Down. yeah same it's sick same. it's really sick it's awesome yeah. but um yeah so yeah i've been to a few places i've been super fortunate to uh to kind of make these goals a reality um in the last bunch of years and uh working for ryan's been such pleasure and i I was actually supposed to go to Greenland this year in, in May for two two weeks, uh, but we've had to postpone that trip to next year now. Right. Um, but maybe uh, Chile, fingers are crossed. But yeah, Ooh, yeah, with everything going on this year, it's a little uncertainty around that still too. I love you know, it. I'm, uh, I'm looking at uh, Ryan's, uh, I'm on 40tribesbackcountry.com and I'm looking at the, who we are. And I oh, see yeah. Ryan here, and I see it says, Founder and Director, Tail Guide, parentheses, Siberia, Greenland. <laughs> That's fucking <laughs> sick as shit, dude. <laughs> totally. That's well, crazy. yeah, it's, he's, got, he's on the same program now, right? He's got a family, and so he creates these trips, or he goes to his favorite places when he can. And same thing, he just wants to go shred pow in these same these same wild places and so it sounds like pretty cool it sounds like you just set up a new next <clears throat> a podcast in the future with ryan us you in some crazy remote location <laughs> it sounds like it yeah that's you what's bet. gonna happen let's do it i'm down i gotta get my fitness up it's gonna happen i'm down with k-stan it's happening that would be sick yeah i don't care where chili i was actually chili. speaking with ralph Raphael peace Yes. Oh, yeah, here you go. Ty Mills, lead guide, Chile, Greenland, yeah, Ty's backyard. We're going to be, we're gonna be bringing uh, Raphael on this, this week on the show here. I was just talking, oh, he's in Montana, he's at Whitefish. He's like, man, it's like it's beautiful here. I can do my editing for my videos. And oh, I can just right. go for a couple rips and then go back home. There's nobody around. But uh, he's heading up to Chile here in June. So, we'll be Yeah, I saw him last time I was in Chile. We met up for a distant evening. Um, but we we're talking about trying to get him in there too to come to our camp. He's so mellow. He's like he's just about as mellow as you. You're every time I talk to you, I, I'm like I become in the Zen moment. It's like as if you just smoked a big <laughs> fucking gagger and you're mellow. <laughs> <laughs> Chad's almost cut off the beers. Like just about. Just about. Ty is the new indica. Yeah, dude. In the couch. Well, do you ever listen to your radio voice? Yeah. Do you ever listen to yourself? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't do that that often, but whenever I hear mine, I'm like, oh, God, that's your voice. <laughs> yeah, I got over that a long time ago. It's just yeah, a, you got to learn to just get over it. It's like, yeah. oh, have you watched? Cloud, I'm going to bring it up. Cloud nine. Have you watched that superstore? Oh, my God. It's like it's like it's worse than than watching The Simpsons. Like it's rots your brain. The main guy is one of the the main manager. His name's Glenn. He's got this 
puppet voice and he's like he had to go talk in front of everybody and they're like dude have you heard yourself Glenn he goes no I sound good in my voice he goes no you sound like a puppet so then he gets this like you know this deep <laughs> voice it's like he's like he sounds like you know Bane from uh, from a Batman and the, the one guy goes to him he goes he goes test it out he has this like little box he goes test it out he goes tell the crowd um, give me all your money and put your you know your, put all your jewelry in the bag give me all your money Put your kids over there. Like you just, you just, you set the guy up so good. But anyways, this guy's got that puppet voice, and, he, and it was like he was like hearing your voice for the first time. Like I don't sound like that, so he was like freaked out. So it's okay. You get over it. Yeah, I bet. Well, it's funny because I don't. I've never really been recorded like this before, but I'm, I'm used to talking to like groups and uh, on radios with where with large audiences. Right. Um, I was I used to be a fishing guide actually for a nice. very long time too out on the ocean and uh, I kind of a fancy lodge with it was a pretty cool experience but anyways so I was the lead guide and so I did a lot of talking and I got more comfortable with it at least yeah, it happens you get used to yeah. your voice it's like hearing yourself when you, when you make your voicemail <laughs> and you have to oh. choose, and you have to choose the one you want you're like fuck that sounds stupid <laughs> i did it like 10 it's, times it's best just to not listen to it <laughs> right. uh, i have to change mine actually but i don't want to so we're on the same boat so cool okay, so, so 40 tribes man fuck keep going it's yeah. it's pretty sick what uh what i'm learning about it i mean totally yeah i mean uh like i was saying that evolution of kind of people yeah, right. um the progression so, you know, you do, you go ski touring and you, you take an AST course, you start going out with your, your buds or you look for people to go out with. And then, um, and actually this is an interesting conversation because I've been thinking about this a lot this year. We've got this explosion in the backcountry this year. And so people are, you know, huge numbers of new people are experiencing it for the first time. Um, and this is going to trickle down to the, to Ryan. Right, as more and more people do it, and they yeah, soon absolutely. realize, oh, man, there's only so many huts you can go to. There's yeah. only so many things out there. Yeah. And then these kinds of adventures where you get to go and have this amazing cultural experience and go somewhere where no one else is and have it all to yourself is like that's priceless. You get to live the Jeremy Jones life style. Totally. Well, I never, I never even considered that Kyrgyzstan or India would be a place to go snowboarding as a destination mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. Well, and, and India is sick. Is it like the it's Nepal a, part of India? Like, uh, no, it's Kashmir, so it borders with Pakistan. Oh, right, right, right. So it, it's actually it's an interest. The little sub range there is called Pir Panjal, and it's it gets all the mon- monsoons, so you can have like one to two meter dumps. <sighs> <laughs> and like you can you can have these snowstorms where there's like thunder and lightning and it's dumping. Okay, so That's let me ask you this. Gnarly. So now I want to know this. What's the snow like? Yeah. Because we've talked to, you know, we talked to, you know, Chandler Kane out of Japan. We talked yeah. about what the snow is like over there. And we know what the snow yeah. is like here, both, you know, uh in the Rockies and coastal and et cetera, et cetera. So uh yeah, what's it like there? Well, um, India there, it dumps, it gets big dumps, but then it clears. 
Um, so uh, it, I'd say that it's more of a coastal snowpack okay. in that, yeah, re- that particular region. So stable, no, not, stable not snowpack, no? Just when you have a lot of snow, it's usually a healthier snowpack. Yeah, it yeah. bonds to itself. There's more moisture in, in the snowpack. And, um, so in that way, where there's usually a, a fat, healthy base and cool. it gets regular dumps. Um, Kyrgyzstan is like 180 opposite. It's the driest snow oh, on the planet. No shit. I like it. It's it's insane. It's like people ask me like, oh, how's the snow? Like, are there are there bad layers? And it's like, uh, no, there are no layers because <laughs> it's just all facets. Like what? Like people will come and I'll be like, hey, don't. Don't jump out of your board or your skis. Like, you're gonna be cautious. Sink. They sink like almost to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I've yeah, experienced so that in the Rockies, but yeah, so it, it's a really weird place that way. Like, it, I wouldn't call it like a healthy snowpack. Um, you have to kind of ad- adapt, like adopt to it or adapt. It's, adapt, uh, yeah. Adapt to it. You got to. You got to pick up speed right away so that you're kind of planing on it. Right. And, but then you're shredding and it's blower. It's flying up in the air, shooting all over the place. And it's super awesome. But when you come to the stop, you just kind of sink down. <laughs> it's, it's different. Yeah. But that's the thing, guys. Like, I've, I've had the fortune to uh, travel quite a bit around the planet um, snowboarding now. And everywhere is different. And that doesn't make one place better than another place. It's just different. You know, like where's the best place in the world to go shred pow? It's like wherever it's snowing. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's all that matters is if you got like lots of new snow and you're just loving it. That's how it goes. But yeah, I mean, even within BC, like, you know, the interior range of BC is three mountain ranges in itself, the Monashies, Selkirks, and Purcells. Right. And the difference in the Monashies to the Purcells is mind-blowing. The Monashies is Canada's Japan. It just dumps there, literally. And then where I live over on the Purcell side, it's, we get a lot more sun. Right. But we do a lot of alpine shredding around here, so it works out that way. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's so many sweet places. Like I have to say the one of the coolest places I've been though is Kamchatka. So that's like Russia, this big peninsula out in the Pacific above Japan. It's volcanoes and and just like sick terrain, big mountain ranges and super wild country. Man. That's awesome. It's soaking in. I'm just sucking. Yeah, right? I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just letting it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> absorbing this right now. Whew. Yeah, there's so many places. Yeah. It's funny, though. Like, Kyrgyzstan. Like, have you have you heard of Kyrgyzstan before? Definitely have. Just yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there is oil and gas out there in that region. Right. For sure, too. Um, but Kyrgyzstan is like, let's be honest. Whose list is it on? Nobody to go snowboarding, right? It's wasn't on, mine on my now. list. Well, yeah, but it wasn't on mine. A couple thousand and now after hearing this. When I went there, though, for the first time, I was like, "Holy shit! This is literally one of the coolest places I've been in my life." And one of the one of the neat things is like, there's no westernization. 
there's no McDonald's. There's no, none of that crap there. It's just like Kyrgyz people and the remnants of the Russian population that still lives there. And they're driving around in all these like old Russian cars and you can still see these sickles and these dilapidated factories. And it's very, very much like kind of going back in time a little bit. Right. And it's refreshing if you're into traveling and you go places where it's not full of travelers. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty special. It's like right smack dab in the middle of the continent too. Hey. Yeah. It's the furthest country from the ocean. It is. Well, yeah. I'm just looking at the map here. Sorry. <laughs> Caspian Sea is not too far. Well, that, that, uh, that, I don't, that doesn't qualify quite as an ocean. But... No, no, it's a sea. You're right. <laughs> it's not... oh, fuck. Dude, it's crazy. I, I had to look. I had to look. Because okay. um, I'm totally stoked. So how much, how, Chaka, you said. how much, like, do you have a GoPro? Like, how much of that stuff are you filming? Like, how much of that stuff? You know, Chad, I do have one. I'm on my second GoPro now. I uh, I bought one years ago thinking I was going to love it, and I didn't. Yeah. Um, And then I bought one again two years ago because I'm a business owner. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to, I need to, like, yeah. up, up Get my, serious. Uh, yeah. my game. And it's been hard. I got to, I got to definitely yeah, kick myself. But I managed to pull it out a few times more this year, and uh, I'm working on it. Okay. Well, you know, we give out grill mounts in this place. We give out the pro standard grill mount, Ken Achenbach, you know, sponsor the show. We're going to give you a grill mount. I'm sure you've heard the story. Uh, free, you know, heat moldable tabs goes in your mouth. So what I love about it is I can just stick it in my chest pocket. <clears throat> and if you feel like this is the run that you want to film, you just stick it in your mouth, hit the button and go. So grill mount. Go to ProStandard.com, theprostandard.com. Use the discount code DARKSTAR to get your free shipping. And um, we're going to ask you the same question he's going to ask you. What color would you like? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the white one. Nice. Don't pick the black. Oh, what? White? I've got, I've got a white one, too. It's yeah, I'm going good. white. Damn. Well, it has orange tabs, right? It does, yeah. That's, yeah. that's my point. It's, it doesn't I've been matter. paying attention. I've been oh, paying dude, attention. Good, well, thanks. The grill mount's pretty sick. It's it's like it's the ver- most versatile GoPro mount that there is because it fits in so many places. And I gotta say, like, yeah, using the GoPro is not it's not always the easiest thing and uh, to want to pop out. But your new one, you know, badass, I'm though. keen. Yeah. I'm I'm really keen to try it because to be honest, like, I've been guiding people heli skiing and cat skiing and backcountry for a long time, and it's like at times very obnoxious watching the amount of. Um, faffing with GoPros. Is it on? Is it on? <laughs> right. And and then I become this guy too, right? I'm at the top of the mountain with my buddies. Is it on? It's like, oh right. Well, now it's just in your hand. Just like you fucking fire it up, stick in your stick it in your yap, and give her. Now I, I I'm currently rocking the GoPro eight GoPro eight black, which yeah. I love because I can talk to it, and it uh, right. it does what I want it to do, and I can do that with the grill mount in my mouth. Um, well, I know, I know, Chad. Like, he didn't do it for me this time, but usually he he's been putting it in his mouth to talk to us. It was yeah. in my mouth and, right now. It's in okay, right now. can you can you tell it what to do like that though? That's what I want to know. We well, have to train it. Well, he his his doesn't do that, does it? <laughs> no, my my seven's a piece of yeah. No, my eight does, and yes, you can tell it to my do silver. that. You just have to you have to enunciate properly just so we can hear you. You just can't casually say it, but, uh, but it doesn't take that much effort to be honest with you. It's really easy to do. Um, and if GoPro's listening, Hey, uh, GoPro, uh, little note to you guys. 
uh, go away from the sequence of beeps. When I tell my camera to do something, have it talk back to me. You know, like when I tell it to start recording, have it tell me it started recording. Don't give me a series of beeps. I don't want to learn beeps. <laughs> it's a pain in the butt. But, about to drop but anyways, otherwise otherwise it works really well. I love the grill mount. It's it's pretty rock solid and it and it does work really easy. It's so easy to hold in your mouth and ride with, that's for sure. It's way better than holding a selfie pole. Um right. for certain aspects. I mean, there's other points for holding the selfie pole selfie pole, that's for sure. But um or whatever you want to call it, a selfie stick, a pole, whatever. Um, yeah, well, I think the the grill mount's more of the POV, right? Whereas the selfie pole is more yeah. like look at look at me, which is fun, right? Right. You know, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good variety. Cool. I find it a big pain in the butt to carry all that stuff and then whip it out and put it together and want to ride with it. I do too. 100%. I think just in general, it's you know, I I have a big pack every day, and it's one more thing. Yeah. So, yeah, this yeah. thing just stick in your chest pocket. And fucking fire it out. Hey, since you mentioned pack, I want to. I'm not going to go into what's in your backpack right now, but I do. I mean, I struggle. I struggle with the backpack, man. I, uh, I know. I learned a I lot of times. I, <laughs> I learned a lot a long time ago that the bigger <laughs> the bigger the pack you have. <laughs> hey, Chad. Uh, the bigger the pack you have, the more weight you have uh, potentially that you can put in it. So um, it's true. Man, I I fight with that all the time, and I just can't get the weight of my. Your fucking in. water bottle. That thing is a tank. No, I well, just carry the small. Yeah, one. I mean, there's. I mean, you guys remember uh, John when John was on, right? And yep. he did that talk about the backpacks. Mm-hmm. I was that guy he was talking about. Oh, <laughs> that challenged him to see what was in his pack. Right. right. And we pulled our two packs out, and I have to admit. Like that was a freaking hilarious night, and we were that guide's training. We were all laughing and stuff, and I was blown away with he what he actually had in that pack, because he had like a twenty liter pack. So I was like, "There's no way you can have all this stuff in there," and he didn't have everything I had. But <laughs> he you know, he, and he says I had a sleeping bag in my pack, which is not true. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah, see that no, in a twenty pretty... liter pack, a Heli Pro. Like, come on. He had a small pack. But wow. the thing is, like, he he had it dialed. He knew what he needed. Right. You know, and the thing is, he based that on experience. Yeah, 10-4. Too. Yeah, no, so, I get like, it. So, you, you carry something for 20 years and you've never used it, mm, maybe you don't, you don't need carry it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I learned that a long time ago. If you don't use it every day, then don't carry it. That's the point. But, hey, you know what? I don't to, use my, my extent, first aid kit every day. But I no. do carry that. But uh, I know. Yeah. I actually don't use. I've never used my first aid kit. I've used blistered pads, right. and I've used a tensor bandage, and I've used ski straps, and I've used a leg splint, and my rescue toboggan many times. But I've never cracked open my first aid kit. Wow, crazy! Like you carry other stuff. It's a, it's a good thing we didn't go riding together last weekend because poor Britt had to crack hers out because my finger exploded. I almost took off my, the tip of my finger cutting onions, and here I, here I was skinning because she kicked the shit out of us, and or me, me, me. And I get to the top, I'm like, um, you got a Band-Aid handy, Brit? She's like, like a ninja. Like, yeah, it's pumping shit. so hard that it's yeah. split, split now. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm real. Fucking real and raw. That's how she goes. But... Uh, but no, Darren, I mean, I think the backpack thing's a, it's a great topic because 
I mean, a lot of people wonder that. And and to be honest, like I do guide a lot of people who show up with like a 20, 25 liter backpack and um, maybe it works for them for what they normally do, but it's not, it's really not big enough for like a full day of touring. Yeah. It's, it's like bare minimum. Yeah. I got a 20 and I got a 23 and the 23 I brought out, it just fit like yeah. my bare the, necessities. Like, yeah, exactly. Me. And then you got to think about the size of the person, right? You see like a, you see like a Darren sized person and he has a 20 liter pack. Well, like his jacket's probably 10 liters. Exactly. My so jacket like did, easily. <laughs> well, yeah. We're going to work on that, but yeah. So a lot of people, you know, you, when you're doing that initial crossover too from from resort riding, you, you know, it's a lot of money to invest in all all your backcountry gear. So to go switch out your resort jacket for like a lightweight Gore-Tex, which are like freaking expensive these days, five hundred minimum, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they go to fifteen to two thousand dollars for some. Yeah, of them. Like, yeah. yeah. So exactly. So then. You know, and I see that often, right? People have their jackets strapped to the outside of the pack because they just, they're using what they got, fair enough. So it's bulky and they have a smaller pack and stuff. But as you go on, you get more experience and you start to buy new things. You specialize and, you know, you nerd out. Some of us are bigger nerds. I know you are, Darren, from all your through hike experience. But like, there's a time where I would actually go through my pack and weigh every, every single article every year. And I would look at it again and I would think, mm, can I get a lighter version or do I want to? And now I just kind of, whatever, I accept it. I think I got it pretty, pretty dialed. So, I, you but know, I, yeah, <clears throat> I think a 30 liter as a normal recreationalist is good. Yeah. That's my day pack. That That's my, yeah. I mean, that's my day touring pack. It's a 30 liter. Um, yeah, I don't geek out on it too bad. Like I'm not that guy who's uh, going through and measuring or weighing everything. Um, but it, it's like, oftentimes I get, I get everything in there for a tour and I'm like, why the fuck is my pack so heavy now? Like it just feels <laughs> out of control heavy. And so I'll, I'll go through it. I'll pull everything out and I'll be like, yeah, I, you know, I may not use this, but I should have it. You know, These like are all the things I want, like a headlamp, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I, I carry a headlamp. It's just right. the thing. It's not the lightest, smallest headlamp in the world. Um, no. I, I'll, I don't mind saying what it is. It's a BioLite headlamp, you know, which right. I think is a wicked headlamp. It's super fucking yeah. bright. The battery lasts for a long time. I can charge it on the fly while I'm wearing it. You know, there's all sorts of bonuses to it. Right. So, and I carry, that's another thing I carry, I carry like a, a small little thin, uh, backup battery pack. Right. Not mm-hmm. a big bulky, heavy one. Um, I can't tell you how many NIMH it is, but, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a decent, it'll charge my phone once, you know, if I need it to type of thing. Um, yeah. And I'm not going to go through everything in my pack, folks. Don't worry about it. But uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying like Thank little things where God. like I look at stuff and I'm like, <laughs> do I need that? Should I have that? Do I really need it today? Can I throw it to the side? You know, and then Chad totally. was talking about my water bottle. Yes. I have a couple different hydro flasks. I did. And everybody, you know, if you're a hardcore listener and you've been listening for a long time, I have migrated away from the bladders Good call. for touring. And now I'm just down to the hydro flasks. I've got two different yeah. sizes. I got a smaller one and a bigger one. And it depends on the day. Some days I find I want a lot more. Other days I decide, you know what? I'm going to carry the smaller bottle. I'm just going to hydrate that shit out of myself this morning. 
before he hit the before he hit the road. You Three know? peas on the skin track, yeah. buddy. I'll well, and I think you're I think you're kind of hitting the nail on the head there too, Darren. Which is like the you guys have had this conversation a bunch of times, which is awesome because I think a lot of people are curious. Well, what what size packs do people have? What do they carry in their packs? I think it's a totally relevant conversation to have. And like I was talking with Chad earlier, even gaining an experience like you guys are, or even becoming a guide, you seek out mentorship and you glean all these little tidbits from everybody that you like. And that's what you take forward to become who you are and and your experience. And so the same thing with all these conversations, people get to listen to all these little things and take a tidbit and learn something cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. so that's pretty, I think it's pretty sweet. Um, But I think like really ultimately um, you should always look at your pack for each adventure. Right. And like if you're doing a side country day or you're going for like a big day in the mountains that maybe you don't normally do it, well maybe your pack needs to be a little different for those days. Maybe you need a few extra things or yeah, like I got, I got two Burton packs. I got one, um, it's just a little small 20, 20, 20 liter. <clears throat> it doesn't have a spine board or whatever the hell you call it. That, that my, uh, <laughs> fuck, I don't know, leave a me spine the board. Whatever. I hope not. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the spine, the aluminum fucking stick. That the holds internal you. frame. Yeah. Right. Yeah, anyways, the right. internal frame. So my yeah. AK has one and I was using it for the first time, like really, really using it this time on, on our trip with uh, Brit. And I learned a lot about it. I learned about how to minimize things and what I don't need. And again, on a day like that, I knew we weren't going to be doing multiple tours. I knew we were going to be kind of stationary. I just used a little, I bought a little Evian bottle because it's slender, it's a liter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's good. Like, it's not going to take up much room. I learned to put everything under my shovel. Darren taught me how to like pack my lunch, like a fucking, almost like a cigar, like just plastic bag in a plastic bag and then roll it right up and zip it all up. Just like, make it squishable so it yeah. can conform, yeah. right? Like, don't worry so about it. So it's not yeah. taking up half your pack. Yeah. yeah, and I use that space under my shovel for my water yeah. bottle, my food, and then, you know, and then granola bars are always in the front pockets of my pants and gummies and, you know, there's a cool bag, there's a, you know, an extra pouch in the front of my bag and I actually learned to use it and I was like, cool. Because I've never used that one. I used another one because of exactly like you said, like Slack Country. Just what am I doing? Yeah. Well, we're in the resort. We're just going to go up off the off the uh, the chair and, you know, just get a little extra, little further is what we were totally. doing, right? 10 so, feet further. A little 10 feet further. So, yeah, I got two different packs. I'm probably, like you said, I'm probably going to need a, a bigger pack for the days where it's like, you know, we're hoping to do a little bit of camping or it'll be a longer day, right? So. Totally. And I mean, most of this stuff comes from experience, guys. So exactly. Like, you go out on a tour and you break, you're using whatever binding and you break a, a component on that thing and you're not carrying it and you go, oh shit, I need to carry one of those. Yeah. Or, you know, like a lot of the equipment out there these days is lightweight, so it breaks. And I know you guys have been talking about poles a lot too, and I have my opinions on poles too. Let's do it. Um yeah okay it's what this is all about fucking yeah no i think pandora's box well it's sweet and i mean ultimately you know i was listening to the dave downing one um so a few days ago yeah Yeah, it was great it was really cool to hear him and um you know he he really says it too right it's it's all like personal preference a lot of it is right like there's a lot of 
you can take it from the people who've been doing it for a really long time. And ultimately they're going to give you the best advice on something that's like efficient and going to work well and long lasting. But does that mean that everyone needs to do it that way? No, it doesn't mean that. So you, it depends on where you live, your style, what, what you want to do. And that applies to like soft boots, hard boots, board style, etc. So, but yeah, um, packing, packing all these little things our backpacks get bigger with experience and then maybe they start to shrink again when we get older because now we we have that enough experience to know okay maybe i don't need that thing what what if you're older and you don't have that experience <laughs> <laughs> trial and error buddy trial and yeah error. No, i'm just kidding I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, and it's funny because, yeah, you can have somebody super experienced give you the lowdown on what they like gear-wise, and you might think, man, that's got to be the best thing. i got to go get that. But you find out that your own style doesn't accommodate that maybe, and it's not the best thing for you, you know, totally. going forward. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in that realm right now where I'm – it's funny because I had the really expensive, you know, collab poles – um, which I really liked. I thought when I bought them, I'm like, these are fucking rad, right? They they break down really tiny, three section. Can they can go in my pack? They can go on the outside of my pack, even though I always pack them on the outside. But mm-hmm. they can go in or out, um, and things are great. And then snap, I broke one. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. So now I need another pull. Now I don't think I want to go three section anymore. Now I think I want to go two section, but I want them to shrink nice and small, and that's really hard to find. That's not an easy totally. animal to get. So, so I'm dealing, we did our tour last week. We did our tour last week and I was using $30 snowshoe poles that I bought at fucking winners of any place, but they're my backups and they work really bomber, you know, and they're three section. They just telescope. They're not three section that, you know, have Kevlar line in between and pop out and are really fancy schmancy. But, uh, but Hey man, they work. So I so, think I'm just going to finish the season with those. I'm not going to bother trying to find anything else right now. So you see what I can find going well, forward. And, you, and now you, you bought them, so use them, right? Like, yeah. They work great, man. You know, totally. they're, they're not the the fanciest ones out there, that's for sure. They're just straight up aluminum and plastic, but they work well. So I think whatever. those are the fanciest ones out there. Because <laughs> nope. you know what? You're probably going to be telling this story another year from now because they're still going. That's right, entirely. I've had those poles for three years now, so. <laughs> yeah. No, I still have, um, like, I have sets of poles in my garage that are 10 years old, and they're fine. Yeah. They're the the old Black Diamond Expedition three-piece pole. The Boom. things are, like, indestructible. There you go. Damn. Those are they're the ones sick. I should have had. Well, that's what I Or give them to me. Let's use. see if I can break them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I don't know. I think it's just like Dave said. It's personal preference. I totally get it. People yeah. want to put their pole in their pack, like a three-piecer. Yeah. And they that's what they want. And, you know, with Dave's style, like he said, he's doing short laps. He's not going anywhere extreme. He's probably not that hard on them. Perfect. Use that pole. That's sweet. Yeah. But when you start going on big adventures and you're going out a lot, you need something that's going to last and not break because things breaking in the mountains suck. Um, yes, it does suck. So you, you're going to move away from them eventually. 
And that's what most people do. You don't see many people with three piece poles that are like have a bunch of years under their belt. Right. And it's amazing that, uh, how much you miss a pole when you're missing one. You know what I mean? Like when you're down a pole, it's like, damn, like that, you really feel it, man. And, and that happened to me on the way out on a tour. I was hitting my right pole on our tour because it was up higher. You were hitting? Hating. Hating. Not liking because it was like up higher and it was like causing me to waste Mm. more energy. So Chad, there's a technique for that. Yeah, you put the fucking (laughs) thing down a little bit. Or you you just grip grip down on it. You don't don't grip the handle anymore. I'm not saying it. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, so. So. Yeah. Totally address that. So, well, that. so when. Ha- so yeah. So I was dealing with that because we were going. Well, on that switchback, it was like up high. So that was my. Was, I was my arm was getting tired. I was like, "This is stupid. I got to drag it, and then that's more of a drag." And were more. you using the like strap on the pole too? No, those are gone. Good. Okay. Well, that so that you weren't locked in. At least. No, yeah, I, I listened just... to my own podcast. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, so no, so some poles, what they do is they put they put some extra foam below the grip on. Right, uh, I've seen right? those. So that you can, ones. and that's the whole yeah. point of it, right? Oh, so that when you're it, when you're side hilling like that and you're traversing, your uphill pole, you're just grabbing it down lower. You're choking down below the grip on it, and yeah. uh, that's why. Like, and I'm not a super tall guy, man, but uh, you know, I mean, I'm six foot tall, so you know, I'm a little, I guess, above average and just barely in that sense. Um, but I found like 135s just don't feel tall enough sometimes. Sometimes I want 140, 145. Oh, I'm you like know? 120. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But everything, every pole that I've ever had, I've always used the max. You know, I've always had them set to the max for the most part. So, yeah. No, it's true. I, I mean, I bought these 125s last year because they're like in reality, they're 130 something. And, um, they, I thought I was going to break them because I was just maxing them out. So they were right on the end of their right. stability rating. Yeah. So I actually gave those to my partner and I, I went up to the 135s and now I'm in a happy place. But yeah. So better. I've been looking for a two piece that'll go 145 and then lo- smaller than 95 when they're collapsed. But that's hard to find. Oh, and that's really hard to find if there even is anything, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. To each their own, right? Like I know yeah. there's a lot of people that really they push the um or not pushing it, but that's what they like to do is they, they carry their poles all the time. Yes. Yeah, so okay, um, let's address that. And I don't mind you know, I don't mind saying like like Vosberg, I like his idea that he has with poles and, and how he rides with them and shoves totally. them. Like I love the grips that he has, like it's just like baseball bat, you know, and just yeah. shove them down the back of his pack. I don't know that I would particularly like that, but I'd look, mm-hmm. I'd love to give it a shot. Problem is I can't find any poles with, and I know that grip isn't something that you buy on a pole, but, uh, and I'd love to give that a shot and see how that works. No, like a, a good buddy of mine, he has a similar thing. He put like golf club handles on. And his. that's funny. Ooh. Just as you're saying that, that's what I was thinking of, you know, and I was just going totally. that out of my head. And I mean, like what works for you works for you, right. but that doesn't work for me. Yeah, for me, like I totally get like the benefits of having a pole um, to help with um, for one guiding, among other things. And like often the group you're skiing with, like if you're following a skier's line and that's the line you guys are all doing, 
more than likely it's not always going to be totally fall line or the best line for a snowboarder. Right. So you, you're often going to want to carry your pole yeah. because yeah. that's going to get you out of trouble. Yeah. But like when I am the trouble, when I'm tours. picking runs for myself, I don't pick runs that are going to require polling. Right. Like I don't want to do that. I want to shred a run, hopefully top to bottom. Right. And I, and sure times you're going to need to do that, but and this is one thing I did want to bring up actually in your guys' show is like one of the pro tips or whatever you want to call it. Like one of the things I think is like the most important thing to work on um, as a backcountry snowboarder. And it's a skill. It's called anticipation. So like anticipating what's coming up, whether that's on the trail, on the mountain, on the line, in the weather learning how to anticipate things is what sets you up for success. Mm. So like <clears throat> when I'm skinning in, in the morning and I'm like going over a bridge or through some crappy piece of terrain, I'm like, Oh yeah, man, you know, like mental memory. I have to like split ski or snowboard through that later today. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get so what you're I'm saying. like, I'm prepped for that. And then when I'm up on the mountain and I'm like looking down at my line, and I'm like, do I need poles for this run? No. Well, I'm not fucking carrying them. I'm putting them on my pack because I want to just shred with my hands free. And that's my personal preference and my style. So that's how I like to ride. And so I'll use them. I learn how to anticipate when I'm going to need them, and then I'll use them those times. Most of the time, though, they're on my pack when I'm riding. And then at the bottom, when you're getting into the faffing or going out trails or whatever, I just stop take my poles off usually have a sip of water take a probably take a layer off because then you get hotter so it's just like yeah just being smart about it all that's more my style i like it I'm not, I'm <clears> and not, so i I'm use not like a three-piece gotcha. yeah i use a three-piece i use the bd i don't get anything from bd but i've found their poles are freaking awesome the three-piece collapsible they last forever. They're economical. So is that the compactor? Is that the pole that you like? No, I don't or? like the, because the compactors are the folding ones, right? Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't think those are great. Excuse me. Okay. So the, the three piece that you use are just telescoping? Yeah. They're the expedition pole. Okay. All right. I think I'm with you on that. And I think that might be the way I want to go because I think I agree. I don't like the folding so much. And, yeah, they are small and compact, and they do pack up nice and small. But uh, I've decided that in my pack is not where I want my poles. I like no. them on the outside. And, I mean, it's totally like I'm not, you know, anything I say today on your guys' show, it's like, remember, this is opinion and my personal preference. It's not about, like, right or wrong or anyone else is doing it shitty or anything. It's just, like, what works for you. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so, 10 four. Yeah, I just, I think that works really great for me. And yeah, it's a good way. So nice. What's in your pack? Since we're talking about packs and poles, and well, we got again you know, on, on. There's two different. There's two different ties. There's the tie that likes to shred and rip all solo. You know, POV in his mouth, goat grill mount. And then there's the tie who's, you know, the mama goose who's watching everybody, right? I know. Mama goose. Well, it's only I can think of when you watch the little baby ducklings and geese. Usually the mama goose is, well, the dad's watching, but yeah. Well, to be honest, um, not a lot changes in that regard. Cool. I've 
I've kind of come full circle. Like you guys, maybe you've had these with your groups on your tours where you're like, what does everyone have? What's our group gear? That's one question that hasn't come up. I love it because it's something I've been learning about as we progress with this thing. Like that's what you need to do in the morning, right? Or the night before. Yeah. Or even the fucking house. Where are we going? What do we need? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. What's what's our um, acceptable risk for the day, et cetera. Um, But what I'm at now is like I never pull anything out of my pack. And I've just realized I'm like, man, well, you know, you go for a group shred and one person's got this and one person's got that. Well, you know, in in a lot of scenarios, you you kind of just want to be self-sufficient. Right. And that's where that's where my line of thought is these days is I got everything in my pack pretty much all the time now. Mm-hmm. And I have it pared down to what I think is is good. Right. Um, but I'm like literally carry a rescue toboggan, a versatile one, every single day I'm in the mountains. Oh. No matter where I go. So now I don't know enough about those. Like how much room, how much weight do they take out? They're or... not light. They're no, not right. light. Okay. And I have that one. You guys have heard about it before. It's the Alpine Threadworks. Right. Neil. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, it's not cheap, but it's, it's a really sick piece of equipment. Um, it's super versatile. It can perform a rescue. You can make it into a toboggan. You can use it as a bivy to sleep in. Um, I've used it as like a, a tarp shelter for ca- uh, winter camping. Like we used it as like the uh, kitchen fly. Oh, nice. And so I would just like use it in camp and then I'd pack it up and take it out each day. Um, and then I've done like countless rescues with it. Um, it's, yeah, it's a cool piece of equipment, super versatile. So I feel good about it being in there all the time. I know there's so many ways to use it. And, um, at the end of the day, it's like, if I've used something that much, probably going to use it again. Yeah. I hear you. So I like that piece of equipment. I I picked Um, up on that on this episode so far. (laughs) If it's in your bag and it's just kind of hanging out, of course, headlamps might be thing and, you know, in a safety or first aid kit, maybe things you may not use. Thank God you don't ever have to use those, but those are yeah. essential in your bag. They are good things to have. I mean, a lot of people are carrying their iPhones and not or their smartphone or whatever, and they're not all as, as gifted battery-wise, but they can be used in a lot of ways too, right? It is a piece of equipment, like a light. Right. Um, well, and I a do... compass if that needs to be, or totally inclinometer. There's a lot of things. In- inclinometer, that's the word Cum- I... Yeah, communication device, mm-hmm. GPS, etc. Right, right. It's a sweet piece of equipment. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's. Hey, speaking of which, are you an inReach guy? I do have an inReach. I don't carry it every day. Um, I use it more for like a client piece of equipment. Right. Or if I'm going somewhere like where my radio won't work, because I carry a radio every day, like a programmable radio, not like a walkie-talkie style. Okay. Um, like as a, as a guide that works quite a bit throughout the province, um, I have a lot of frequencies from kind of every region. So no matter where I am, I'm usually operating on our ACMG frequency. Um, but I can, I can tap into other ones and and call out for help. Nice. So that's kind of my strategy. And I heard that when we were talking yesterday 
and you're like, I'm still in the hill. And I'm like, oh. And then I heard your radio go off. And I was like, well, why the fuck are you calling me? Get home. <laughs> and call me. <laughs> you you called me. Well, you just say, do not disturb. I won't take offense. <laughs> That's right. I won't take offense. Well, Chad, I'm a business owner, man. I got to like answer the phone sometimes to it's just make chat. sure, keep things rolling. It's just chat. Yeah. <laughs> Can't talk right now. Well, actually, I was I was yesterday. I was guiding in Rogers Pass, so I was just by myself with my clients. But um, two two of my friends were, I think they were working for Kapow that day, um, yesterday, and so they were out there. And so I'm monitoring ACMG, and that's the rig, the frequency they're on too. How far is that from from Golden? Um, it's like forty five minutes to an hour. What to get to Kapow? No, Rogers, Rogers Pass. Pass. No, I wasn't asking Rogers Pass. I was asking well, to get to Kapow. Well, Kapow isn't a oh. place. Chad. Well, okay. Yeah. Blanket. Uh, blanket's over in the Monashies, so that's okay. the other side of Revelstoke, but that's not where they were. Okay. Uh, no, Kapow, like, well, I mean, Marty told you all about the business, but they also run, like, day guiding. So these guys were guiding up in Rogers Pass. Gotcha. Yeah. Running yeah. lickety split, probably. Well, uh, maybe not lickety split, but they're just guiding a yeah a tour up in Rogers yeah. Pass. Ten four. Plug. I'm just trying to plug Marty's thing, man. Come on, I'm just <laughs> plug it a little bit. Oh, sorry. Jeez. Duh. Um, but anyways, as uh, as anybody, you know, to that point, but as a guide, like knowing there's other guides out there, let alone my buddies. Yeah. That's like an awesome thing, right? So how do you like get your... I tell my clients like, hey, if anything happens, call Aaron Chance on the radio. Right. So are your radio, how did you get your radio? Because I know we've worked in a patch. I used to get my radios, you know, I'm going down the trunk road. I got to have that channel with everybody on the trunk road or I have to get this certain channel of, um, for the patch with all the different roads around here. Same, yeah. So how do you get, like, where do you go to do that? Like a radio place? You just know what to ask? Well, that's a good you... question. I mean, it is a bit, yeah. There's some le- legality around it too, so. Um, that's not, kind of bullshit because I think I want to have it if I'm like in the backcountry and shit goes south. No, like let's yeah. be real, right? Like, what is there a torrent? Oh, is there a torrent for your radio channel? Yeah, you just <laughs> fucking hack into it. Yeah, v- right. rip them off the web. VPN. No, I mean you can. I don't think these days it's very easy to get access to a, a programmable radio. That's the easy part. I think maybe what you're asking, Chad, is how do I get access to all the frequencies? Yeah, correct. And uh, how do you program your radio? Do, is, do you have to go to a business to have them program it, or is it something what, that you can do yourself? You can program some of these radios. You can buy. You can program them at home. Okay. You can buy. You can buy software, and you can get a cable, and you can do it, or you can hand program it into the front of the radio but you still need to have like the list of frequencies. And so that is kind of proprietary to some degree. And a lot of companies like, let's say heliski companies and stuff, they don't necessarily want everyone to no, have the frequency. No, I get right? that. I totally get that. Um, and that's what I mean about the legality side is there are some Canadian laws that surround um, radio use, but also like there, I know that there's, a number of businesses now that are selling programmed radios. And I think we could see it become a problem at some point because yeah. of that. Right. And, um, I totally think people should have access to radios cause I think they're awesome and there's such a huge safety thing. And even the fact that there's more and more people with these, um, 
BCA radios. Right. You can't call like Parks Canada on there, but your buddy can. He can phone or something, right? So you, you can still communicate and spread the message, which is cool. But Okay, let me um, – I have a, a really – I think a really relevant question about the radios. They're, they're transmittable range, like mm-hmm. the the radio that you're carrying. I mean, it's yeah. is it not line of sight for the most part? Is it um, – like if you have a range or a ridge in between you and where you're trying to get to – uh, yeah. you, have to, you have to get up to elevation in order to be able to, to catch that line, right? Yeah, I mean, like I have uh, – so yeah, good question. So I have one um, that I – it's an ICOM radio. I've had a few kind of cheaper radios too, and but I, I really like the quality of the ICOMs. Um, so that one with the stock antenna, I think it does five kilometers line of sight. So like you're saying, it won't go up over a mountain into the next valley per se. Right. But if you can direct line of sight, it'll go 5K. And then I upgraded the antenna, so now it's a 10K line of sight. That's um, a big but, upgrade. But yeah, in reality, though, like I've been on a peak in Rogers Pass and just been like, hey, any ACMG guides out there? And talk to people like along like 35, 40K away in the Rockies on the peak. Huh, and that's just line of sight. So that's like a direct frequency. Yeah. But then there's all these repeaters, like you guys are saying, uh, like forestry roads and stuff, where a repeater is like a metal object on top of a mountain, and you can ping that with the radio, and then it will reflect it right out further. So you can talk from huge distances that way. I like. Interesting. This is the first time we've spoken about that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I think radios have come up in the past, but not uh, to this degree. That's for sure. No, they're they're cool. Like I, I have what? Dang, it's just radio. another thing to carry in the pack. Fuck my pack! I know, just got you carry it on yourself. <laughs> no, but I mean, I have it's enough one of, of myself things, to right? carry. It's multi multiverse because it it's a um, safety equipment and communication device at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely, I agree. So, yeah, hundred percent. It doesn't take much to just get separated. Like it doesn't take much at all. No, no. And like you guys were saying, like you can go on Amazon right now and you can buy like a what are they called? Baofeng programmable radio. I think they're like fifty bucks. They're cheaper than the BCA radios. Yeah, the and BCA they can hold... radios are in the hundreds of dollars. Yeah, and this one's programmable, so you can put you could put like all of those. BCA frequencies on your programmable radio plus all the road frequencies plus like any local um, businesses like guiding ops if you can get them. Nice. I like it. I like it. Um, so I got to ask the question. Have you had like any injuries in your life? Like if you just been smooth? Oh yeah, you busted your pelvis. That was my big one. Yeah. That was a long time ago, though. Yeah. Yeah, like, I broke... I was a skateboarder before I was a snowboarder. Fuck yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember one day I, um, I think I was skipping school, too, so it's not the best, the best uh, inspiration story for young <laughs> snowboarders, but... I did it lots. Um, I was doing, uh, you know, in the in the old days when we were all skateboarding, right? Like, it's go and wax up the curb and yep. go shred the curb. Yep. And I don't know what I was doing. I was doing some kind of trick. But anyways, I went flying through the air 
and uh, my hand was on the road and my elbow was up on the sidewalk. And I snapped my arm in half, basically. And I stood up and I had this floppy arm and my buddy's just laughing hysterically. And uh, that, yeah, that sucked. I had to skateboard to the hospital actually because my mom wasn't home at that time. But well, of course. So that was uh, that was a big one. Um, and then I actually had so that was skateboarding. But then that winter I was snowboarding and I had a, a cast all the way up to my shoulder. Oh. And um, of course yeah. I was dumbass, so I was I riding. I did the same thing. Way too hard. And I remember I did this air and I jibbed off this stump. And I hit myself in the face with my cast and KO'd myself in the air. <laughs> Sorry, I got to laugh. That's fucking no, funny. It's, it yeah, is funny, dude. man. <laughs> it's a total dumbass story. And uh, so that was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's so good. that was old. Yeah, after that, though, no. I, I've had like a second degree shoulder separation and um, a couple other th- little things. But those are all from just jibbing at the hill. Mm, yeah, I hear you. I've well, thankfully not had really many bad backcountry episodes. Well, that's good. Episodes. Know your limits, right? That's the key. So mm-hmm. CBD Ingenuity is going to give you a roller ball with some topical CBD. Nice. Um, anybody who wants to get their own, it's uh, you go to cbdingenuity.com and look up the discount code DS10, discount, 10% discount on all your purchases not just the one time, but all your purchases. So yeah, we're gonna get you one of those. Jeff will hook you up, um, and then yeah, let us know when you get it. Like, pretty still little. You just get a little. It's like a little tincture. It's got nice, really good oil. Um, it's pure CBD, obviously oil in there. It is a bit of a smell. It's nice. It's a, like a. It's it's got a little bit of an aromatherapy style, but yeah, definitely feel it go into your muscles, and it'll help your shoulder uh, even now. It help all that muscle. Mm. So. So that's you said it was a tincture. I thought you said it was a ball. No, so it's tincture? got it's got a little black. It's got a metal like it's a little. Ma- I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a little metal tincture, not just metal, glass with a metal ball. So it's a roll on. Ah, uh, right. Cool. I had, get, I had to get all that out. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Jeff's uh, we're stoked to use the product. We get to use the product. Right? I eat that stuff like it's candy. Um, not to get high, just because the CBD helps me with the, the circulation. <laughs> There's no high in this one. Yeah, there's no hey, I'm THC not, in this. I'm this not is judging, 100. Chad. I'm not judging. <laughs> Dude, I love that Darren brought some, got some stuff shipped up from Nelson. I'm still eating, drink, you know, taking little shots of it, the oil. Oh, yeah, that's got some THC in it for sure. <sighs> some, yeah. Two hours later. No, it's hey, not that bad That's how it takes me. It's legal now. It's all good. Oh, yeah. You're allowed, you're allowed to do that. It's like having a beer. It is. You're allowed to go have your fun. It takes me a while for the oil versus the chocolates, but... Um, I've calmed down on that stuff. Got to be up and productive. So it sits in my system too long. So I like to get it out. Don't just don't do it until the weekends. So cool. So I'll get you, you'll get some of that. And then, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear you, you know, fucked yourself up with your uh, cast. I know that feeling. <laughs> I, this, I, 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 I popped my collarbone out with a broken wrist. You know, I cast on one arm and next thing you know, I got sling in the other arm and I got to go to, Go to go tour around, get on airplanes and shower, and uh, yeah, it sucks. You want to get out there and yeah. ride, right? Yeah, it's funny. Like uh, all my injuries have pretty much been from at the resort. So once I switched to powder riding, I've still had some pretty colossal wipeouts, but it's a lot friendlier out there, unless yeah. you're some unforgiving terrain. Yeah, where there's stumps and 
trees and rocks or shark heads kind of sticking out, shark fins sticking, I should say, for the most part. Well, cool. So what else would like to top? There's so much to unfold with you still. Did we uh did we talk about your zone yet? I mean we talked about Oh yeah. We talked about um forty tribes, which is cool as shit. I mean, what's going on at forty tribes? I mean, we could dive so much deeper into that and what's coming up. Um let's talk about your business. That, but yeah. yeah, like I I'm just kinda we get a little more taste of 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 your zone there, the Purcells. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, well I mean Golden is uh I call Golden my zone. Not that it's mine, but it's it's my, one of my favorite. Places. You're local, so, right? Yeah, Ty's backyard. Ty's backyard. And it's really uh, what makes it special. Is it's it's kind of like the trifecta of zones. So there's three mountain ranges around Golden, and the Rockies are to the east. So right outside of town, you're looking at the Rockies, and then to the west is the Purcells, and then to the north you can see them is the Selkirks. So like you can go on any day of the week, you can go shred pow in a different mountain range. And I've had like a bunch of weekends ride snowboarded in each range in over the course of the three days. And like totally different uh like mountains and topography and snowpacks. It's pretty neat that way. So in one day when people well one weekend. no in three oh, weekends. Okay. Yeah, one okay. weekend. Okay. But what that what makes that super special though too is you also have different weather in each place and the different conditions. So, um, no matter what the conditions and the weather are, you can always pick a spot that's sweet. Just so much variety, and then uh, kind of what yeah I don't know you guys went and they checked it out actually you went up to Kicking Horse uh, last weekend. Yeah, which is a super fucking rad place, and uh, just want to get out there more and more now. Well, yeah, and you guys like literally just scratched the surface. Into, yeah, totally. yeah, we we know, <laughs> we know. I can only so imagine this, on that stuff on a pow day, like just the stuff we hit. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Well, the side country is almost always a pow day. So and like all of the um, the bulls to the north there. Mm-hmm. It's just like the same as inbounds, but bigger. So it's just like kuar, 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 like steep phases, like sick lines and tons of them. But you can't see most of them because they're hidden because they're facing north. So they stay. And if you have the local knowledge, you can you can go out like two, two weeks after a storm and go hit power runs. It's pretty epic that way. A lot of people, like I've never been to Jackson Hole and hopefully I'm not taking away anything from them but a lot of people have said like kicking horses reminds them of jackson hole or it's like the canadian jackson hole oh interesting the mountain range because it's just like or just that area like Mm -hmm. you know a lot of similarities i guess Mm -hmm. a lot of alpine riding and and rock features and stuff yeah we did our first shoots there it was kind of cool would have been nice it's sweet yeah, I had lots of fun. So it, it holds a special place in my heart. I uh, I love it. And like living in town here, I can be up in an hour from my house. I can be at the top of the mountain and going backcountry. So it's pretty rad. That is nice. That's nice. So how did you decide to do become or start your own guiding and training? Because you do AC, um, 
EST1, EST2, and you do some split boarding courses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it stemmed from my whole journey of getting into guiding. Uh, so I was one of the first um, people to ever been certified at the ACMG on a snowboard. Uh, I think I was like the third or second or something like that to be a full um, snowboard guide, or they still call it a ski guide, but. But to, to do your exam on a splitboard, is that what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I was the first one to ever do it on hard boots, too. Oh. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, and it actually really helped uh, the examiners to open up their mind and to see a strong splitboarder on a hard boot setup and just kind of go, oh, okay, wow, we haven't seen this. Like, this is right this is next level. This is what people can be like. And because when I went through, uh, when I started the process, snowboarding wasn't officially allowed. Like it wasn't officially accepted in the ACNG. Right. So they were still very much giving us a, like a ball breaker hard time. Um, and then by the time I finished, it was now officially allowed. So it was kind of cool. I, yeah. I felt like I was one of the, one of the martyrs. You broke trail. <laughs> I did break trail. You set for that sure. skin track in I place. Did. And I wanted to. I knew that it was possible. Uh, so, anyway, so I, I that whole journey was is a story in itself. But um, moving along and going through that process, like it, I, I was still in the infancy of acceptance of snowboarders as guides in Canada, and. Um, so every step along the way felt a little bit harder and, um, even getting work as a guide. Mm, yeah. So, you know, even, even to this getting day, work as a guide on a split board. Yeah. Yeah. And even to this day, there's operations in BC that won't hire a split board guide. Ah, uh, right. Like just full stop. Nope. We don't hire splitboard guides. Is that because most of their customers would be skiers, and and um, there's the difference to, in the lines that we like to choose, skier versus snowboarder, or there could there could be elements of that. There could be some perceived, you know, need to do it for that reason. But I think it often falls just on the old school view of the owner themselves. Absolutely, and like how open-minded they are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can get, I can, that resonates with me because I had to deal with, um, I was possibly going to be running a an operations social media deal this summer and just the way that they wanted me to be in that location, on site, doing sales. I'm like, doing sales is not social media. Do you want a sales mm-hmm. guy or do you want a social media guy? They're not two in the same. So yeah, that's just older. Old, that's it's like we did it this way always. So we're doing it this way. It's like yeah, but times have changed. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's interesting. Like I, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, a few weeks ago. I was working with him, and he works at a cat ski lodge north of Golden. And he was asking me, "Oh, what, what percentage of splitboarders do you think are out there these days, or do you get at this place?" And I was like, "Well, it's it's huge. It's like how." Yeah. He's like, "Oh." It's not like that where I work. I was like, well, dude, you work at a place that has the same clients every week, every year, because they rebook all the 
the time. And those right. were the old ski clients from back in the day. And they just keep rebooking. Right. So, of course, the demographic hasn't changed. But I'm like, it's it's blowing up. There's so many split porters out there right now. Maybe they're not represented by the numbers that go to CMH. Right. But I think that they, they there are huge numbers. I think the ratio has changed a lot. It's going to change even more. Totally. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, like I, it's good. I actually it's started um, like a community Facebook group page in Golden last year because I just because I thought that our community would benefit from it. Um, so it's like Golden Ski Touring and Splitboarding. So it's for the community. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a fun place to get together and sell stuff or talk about things, ask for beta. Anyway, I created a few questions, not because I want a data mine or anything, but I was just really curious, like where, like, where's your favorite place to go skiing? And are you a skier or a splitboarder? Mm-hmm. And I would say easily 55% of every one of those 1200 people that have joined in the last year are splitboarders. That's awesome. It's just, it's interesting. It's like, okay, there's the facts. I don't know. Dar- Darren keeps, uh, well, he had been like, well, how many people are really going to listen to this podcast? Like how, what's, you know, what's the growth? Like there's not many people who split board. And I'm like, dude, companies are selling, you know, an average, what, 200 split boards will say a year each. If not, some of them are way more. Um, we'll say 300 each, even 500. And that's yeah. every year for the last, you know, 10 years. In the last five years, it's even bigger. There's more than just one board in our lineup. So it's growing. It's growing really quickly. Totally is. We're we're very fortunate and blessed this actually happened when it happened and this podcast is happening now and the whole everything. Backcountry blowing yeah. up and we're coming out with like information to be a little bit selfish. It's for us, which we're gonna share with everybody else. You know, getting to talk to you about these this stuff and talking to Joey and Buff and Gore you know, um Craig Gord and all these people about all those different aspects is just huge for us. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's cool, right? Like, how do you, you know, like our friend from Wisconsin, like, how for a guy there, how do you connect with this community? It's hard. But then you, you guys have created this new platform for people to listen to, glean information and, and um, get a little bit of mentorship through listening. And then also to like, realize like oh there's all these people in all these places that are passionate and doing all this cool stuff and they can seek out and connect with those people or or look into those scenes and it's empowering it's pretty cool yeah it is so we diverse from the question uh which one was that uh, all aspects <laughs> oh yeah what do we all do time. oh yeah <laughs> uh, yes i'll um, bring you back in ty it's okay i'm here thanks it's I'm okay. on my ranting. It's okay. Um, well, so yeah, I started that business when I was an apprentice guide. And um, at that time, I was like, you, you weren't actually supposed to um, solicit your own work as an apprentice. So I was like, oh, well, I'll start a business. And then I can solicit clientele and then hire myself. Right. <laughs> and you know i still was following all the guidelines like right, i had a, right, right. a supervising guide and everything that you needed to do but i was like how do i as a split boarder employ myself as this like as a ski touring guide because back then there was there was less of us doing that right like very basically very few 
of Fanny. And, and I was like, man, I want to do more splitboard guiding. I had a job at Baldface at that time. Um, so I was at mechanized guiding and I had done hut weeks, like working up at huts, guiding for weeks and stuff, but I was working with other guides and those weren't my weeks, but I was psyched on the work. And my roots are splitboarding, like walking, earning your turns. I love mechanized guiding. It's provided some of the most amazing experiences in my life. Absolutely. Heli guiding. Yeah, absolutely. But my passion is splitboarding. It's walking. It's those quiet moments. It's earning your turns. It's being at one in the mountains. And, you know, it's for me, it's a bit spiritual. It's just awesome being out there. So I wanted to create more of this for myself. So I started that business. And it's really been a slow growing business because I've always had lots of work and I haven't put it as my primary focus. Um, but the last few years, I've decided to kind of really give it a good push. So probably four years ago, I started doing that. And um, yeah, all aspects Alpine or AAA backcountry guides. We uh, we offer ski touring and sportboarding guiding in Revelstoke, Rogers Pass, Golden, and in the Canadian Rockies. And then now I've expanded to uh, Japan. I've been doing that for a couple of years and also um, offering hut trips and base camp trips. And, and then we do courses, um, AST courses and glacier travel, crevasse rescue courses, ski mountaineering. So we do, we do a lot of stuff. Um, I'm the lead guide. I'm kind of work full time and run the business. So, you know, I don't always answer the phone all the time. Although Chad got me to answer on the mountain yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's a passion thing for me. Um, it's been really fun to grow it and and to learn about doing business and uh, to, you know, show and share my passion with people in the mountains. And I think I live in a really beautiful place and um, I know it well. So I think I do a pretty good job of connecting people with amazing experiences. And yeah, it's a really great thing. I feel super fortunate. So you able to do that. You offer an AST one, an AST two, and then you also offer like a. I think it says a split board with us. Um, mm-hmm. Like learn, a like a one oh one. Yeah, learn the split board and learn from mm-hmm. us type thing is what I'm just trying to remember the slogan. I'm just going to look back. There it is. Start start split boarding with us is what you say. Mm-hmm. So another little fundamentals. You take some people. Yeah, out. totally. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, we haven't done a lot of that. Um, I've had a few people connect with me that I like used to cat ski guide and stuff. And that's been an interesting thing is that whole demographic of people that have the resources and they've done the cat skiing and stuff. And they're going now like, Oh, I want to try split boarding. And so they reach out and they want to, they want to come do it. And that's been really freaking cool. Yeah. To to take people out that way. I think that's really important to have that available. I know, you know, this is, it's big to have that available because then you can get a group of your friends. doesn't mean that you, doesn't mean you're all beginners. It's just like, let's go learn something new. Let's like use Ty as the guide for the day and he'll teach us some stuff along the way. Like we've spoken about that with uh, Kilain, uh, exactly about that. Like, you know, going into an area, why not call in a guide mm-hmm. for the day? Everybody pays 150, 200 bucks, but man, day you'll have then when you go back in that area next year the years after you've remembered that one area you know ty has given you a, the rundown 
So mm-hmm. now you know it. So you can use that again. Your buddies can all go in together and have more confidence in that area, right? So I'm a big I'm a big advocate of that kind of stuff. Not that I have done it yet, but that's where I'm going to be going. <laughs> well, it's it's nice to hear you guys say that because I think yeah, North America is interesting that way. You know, in Europe, I think guiding cultures is a lot older. Right. And I think people are more into hiring guides. Um, maybe it's, it's more initially. of a, is it more of a gilded type of thing in Europe? Like it's uh, just, I don't know. I think it's just embedded more culturally. Right. Like I've, I've met people that are like, Oh yeah, we've had the same guide for like 15 years. Yeah. That's, like, awesome. that's just the way they roll. Um, whereas I feel like in North America, there's this sense of independence and people feel like I don't need a guide. And that's, yeah, you're right. You don't need one. Like go do it. That's awesome. But I think that, like you're alluding, there's so many spin-off benefits. And uh, even if it's just a one-off time. That's what I'm saying. You know, you can hire yeah. someone and, and you can glean so much from that day. Just from them. that area. Well, yeah. just to think that, you know, Darren and I drove back from, from Golden last weekend on the Monday and we came along. There was that big ridge that we've seen or those people that were skinning. Bow Summit. Bow Summit. And mm-hmm. I sent you that picture. And I'm like, are these guys riding right there? And you're like, dude, there's a lot of mountain behind when you get into that little area and you get back. Yeah. And, and again, I would have no clue. Yeah, you can look at the maps, figure it out. But, you know, someone who's got some knowledge in that area would definitely help out a lot. So, Totally. Yeah, like I've had a few more people this year who they, they've reached out and done a day and then they've asked like, hey, can I come join a group periodically? And like they're fit guys they're totally capable of going doing their own thing as a split border but they've they're just going huh ty's doing like cool days and i am learning a lot every day and that's the key that's the key right there and they're like this is sweet they're like they're elevating their game and they're going on a guided day and it's not actually breaking their bank and so they're psyched right nice that's so, a whole new yeah. look at it. It is. It really, and and it's one that I don't think a lot of people have a vision of. That's you what know, I've been, which, I've been which they need that. For a while. Yeah. So listen close, folks. Well, and I think a lot of the modern companies, like you know, I, I'm not afraid to plug other companies like Capal and stuff. They've had this mission statement for a while too, and I think there's a lot of us, like those guys, are in a bit of a different league than than my business, which is cool, but we all have the same kind of philosophy this day these days which is like ski or snowboard cool terrain have good energy be super fun but make the whole day about like learning and elevating your experience teaching people and that's the like guiding plus and that's what is like super awesome it's not the old school like oh just follow me you know stay beside my track it's like oh no guys like here's here's the hazard forecast for today we're going to go here. That's This is why it makes sense. We break it down for people. We kind of include them in the process and then talk to them throughout the day, show them if we dig pits, like here's what's going on. You know, here here's why we're managing you guys through the mountains this way. And this is why we're going to ski it or snowboard it this way. And people walk away and go, like, that was freaking cool. I yeah. wouldn't have done that without yeah. them. And then yeah. they taught me about it. Right. Because I know my day, like now that we're, we were, reflecting back on experiences and stuff when you're talking about your poles and the poles you like to carry because of you know being a guide when i did my my first cat 
experience, they took us in ski country with flats. And Chad's out mm-hmm. looking for fucking fun stuff. <laughs> and Chad's getting caught. And the tail guy's like, this fucking snowboarder again. I gotta fucking snowboarder. I'm to pick him up. And I'm out looking. I'm like, this sucks. This is flat, dude. You guys blow. Like, I just paid how much money? And this run sucked. <laughs> like, But then other runs on my legs are dead. Like, it's fantastic, right? But, you know, yeah. exactly. And that's me. That's on me as well, not knowing what I'm doing. And I'm just relying on skiers as guides. Who's got that mindset? Not that I'm, you know, we ride the hill mountains differently. So, yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, like, because when I went through that whole guiding process, there was major pushback for me to do it on skis. Like one component was called the mechanized week. And so you had to go and practice cat ski guiding. And they told me like, you're not allowed to bring your split boat on this week. And so I actually had to ski that week. So they were they were really trying to make me ski. And they allowed me to do, excuse me, all the rest of the exam and all the rest of the parts on a snowboard. And because that was prior to the acceptance of snowboarders, that's why they did that. Um, but I have to say, like, the minute that I put two skis on, even though I was a passionate splitboarder, I immediately began to move like a skier. You just do. And that, and it was actually an enlightening moment for me. I was like, holy shit. So even like people that I know are like really experienced with snowboarders, they're still just by default going to act certain ways because this is the tool on their feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they might not even be intentionally taking someone somewhere poorly or doing it. They, but they're just doing what they do. And so I was like, oh, okay, huh. Interesting. So maybe I've been too hard on them. <laughs> but I definitely have been. I've learned to calm down. Just mellow out. Yeah. yeah. What um man, I had a question. Damn it. That's okay. I'm trying to think. I can't think of one right now. I, I've got I got so much I want to cover still, but does definitely like what does oh my god, I'm stuck. I'm trying to I'm trying to stimulate my juices here i had something it's hot in this room oh yeah it's all darren it's all good darren's too hot but um what do you got what's some of the things that you so so you've been in operations for how many years now like seven okay six triple now now i'm i'm looking i'm looking at the website and i know you guys i mean we're talking lots of winter stuff but you guys do summer stuff as well eh? like you got you have some hiking hiking stuff you guys are after in the summer as well totally yeah we've um at, well, out of necessity to some degree too. Sure. I, um, like I was saying to you guys earlier, I was a fishing guide. Um, I was, I kind of had the same winter, this actually yearly pattern for about 15 years. I tree planted for two months every spring. And then I went to Rivers Inlet on the, on the BC coast for close to three months. And then I'd come back to Golden and snowboard all winter. And so I just did that. And over and over and over and over and over again, um, and met my partner out at the fishing lodge, and uh, she didn't want to go there anymore after about ten years, and I, you know, <laughs> I got it. Um, but it was time, anyways, to change it up. So I, uh, I decided, okay, that's it, and so I quit both actually, and so all of a sudden I didn't have a summer job, and that first summer I just decided to mountain bike, so I 
got into mountain biking again big time had an amazing summer but then i realized yeah i gotta do something uh, so i decided i would do some hiking guiding and um yeah i've been trying to make a bigger push of that too but i work up at some of the same winter huts in the summer doing hiking guiding and um and then with the the canadian rockies right next door it's super busy usually with foreign tourists so people want to get guided hikes and yeah that's where most of the clientele comes from is the the tourists yeah that's definitely good well and what else it does for you is it helps you know what's going on under the snow as well if you're in that same kind of area sure uh, where someone like myself would come in the area and i got no idea what's underneath the snow mm-hmm. and that I, that makes things different as well well i think the biggest thing for me is like i'm basically been a guide my whole adult life Sounds whether like it's it. fi- fishing or whatnot yeah and summer hiking guiding is not an adrenaline sport no but it, but it's awesome it's like i'm getting older guys so like being able to frolic around in the mountains with a light backpack and walk around and identify flowers and take people you know i still do the same thing as in the winter whereas i i immediately shape up my clients and figure out what they want and how I can best give it to them. And I, and I try to do that for everyone, no matter what their skill or experience level is. So it's, it's fun. I'm, I feel like I'm good at it and, and uh, it's low impact. So it's awesome. I like it. So what we're going to do, smart wool has, they've sold out of their winter socks. So we're going to get you some spring summer socks to hike with. Nice. Since you do this. So. Love smart wool. It's great. You're in. You're in with some smart wool because they want to help like you it. go further, do what you love to do best, and uh, to do it with a great feel wicking sock that, you know, I love my socks. I love my smart wool socks as well. You can so. never have too many pairs of socks. I know. I don't even wear socks nowadays. You know? <laughs> I have a sock order. fetish. Darren, I like... fucking Darren bought socks in Golden. He's like, dude, I went to this shop and I had like this cool socks. I had to buy them. <laughs> I do love my socks. Thanks. It's a well-known fact for sure. It's so good. So well, I don't know. Like sometimes you, you, I don't know if you guys are this way, but you know, when you go and you go on a trip or you do multiple days with somebody, they're wearing the same socks like every freaking day. Like, oh my god, dude! I, I'm like to each their own, but no, I'm like fresh socks every day. We, it matters. We it makes dis- a difference. We discussed that in the hotel in Golden. Actually, I'm like, you know, new socks. Like, I know, you know, we talked to Corey about how you know you can wear them as many times as you want and they won't get stinky. And I'm like, it's like new socks. It's like it's like a new perspective. It's like, oh ugh, yeah, get rid of that crust from the day before. Like, <laughs> leave that behind. Like, get out of here. Such a good thing. Yeah, dude, I'm down with that. Um. What are you, um, we're also going to give you some Koo Wax, all temp Sweet. wax. So Koo Sports is going to hook you up with some wax. Um, yeah, all temperature, so you have a little stick of each. You know, we can just ask for all, all these all these companies, all they ask for is, you know, a little photo. We'll promote it, you promote it, just let, you know, a little unboxing, and that's about it. Like, it's not a big, uh, a huge ask. But yeah, Koo Sports is going to give you some wax. Uh, again, you can go to, you know, KooSport.com. Again, using the discount code DS10, all purchases get 10% off, and they get 100. Any purchase over 100 bucks is free shipping, uh, North American wide. So, yeah. And also, everybody can go to our website. Our website's got all that great stuff. There's other people that we're working with that's been helping support the show. You go to uh, darkstarts.ca, go to the partners area. You can also use that location. There's a good profile. Everybody's uh, 
all of our guests, you'll have the profiles there in there as well with all of your links, your show notes will be in there. So yeah, just, just getting this stuff built so you guys can have easy access to everybody and everything and share the love and the support we're getting. That's sweet. It's like the little dark start stalking stuffers. Yeah, dude. It's the whole idea. Like this is it. Next, next is the listeners. Listeners are you're getting geared up. I'm working hard to make some beautiful things happen for the listeners, <laughs> gift wise. So, hang tight. Cool. What are they getting? I ain't saying. I ain't saying. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. The ink hasn't been drawn yet. Oh, so, giving out some stuff. You've been giving out your um, your bars there. Yeah, I give out bars. We've given out some backpacks, some nitro backpacks. Nitro's been really supportive of the show as well. It's oh, been cool. nice. Yeah, they're. We're working on some deals. It's all good. A little behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, <clears throat> I can't give you any bars because they're not available in Canada yet. they got to work on the logistics of getting that stuff to Canada. So otherwise, we can yeah. get you It's coming, though, right? They're, they're working bars. on that? Yeah. 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 Americans are listening. You get adva- you know, they get to take advantage of, uh, again, go to our website. Go to the partners area. Go to Sands Meal Bar. You can just enter in on the Tuesday to get free, free meal bars. And then they give 20% off all their meal bars as well to anybody on the show. So, yeah. Lots of great, uh, great partners helping us out. I'm surprised you guys don't have like a bacon sponsor yet. We just got approached yeah. by chocolate. We just That's got approached right. by chocolate. Oh, right. yeah. Do they do a bacon up. bar? I don't know. Gold, it's the gold, it's the uh, white tooth, dog tooth, dog, chocolate. dog, tooth, dog chocolate. tooth chocolate. They approached yeah. me today online. Like, do you guys like chocolate? I'm like, Darren loves it. I'm a type two diabetic, so chocolate ain't my friend. <laughs> Darren I got lots it. of sugar in my body as it is. <laughs> Chocolate covered bacon is a great thing, man. I saw some sick bacon. We're gonna have to try yeah, it yeah. at uh, the butcher shop. Oh, I know shop. What you saw. Yeah, yeah, dude. Fuck, quarter inch thick bacon, man. Eh, too thick is not always great. It depends on how we'll you're find, eating. We'll find. We'll find. Uh, we'll yeah, find yeah. I'll get some diabetic chocolate for me. <laughs> Connoisseurs. They got it. They got it. Make it for the pocket. Well, I'd like to come out this, you know, I think we're talking about maybe coming back out there in April, doing a little bit of, a uh, little bit of playing with you in the snow, maybe go to Eagles Pass or Rogers Pass or somewhere out in that area. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what's available when that time hits, Fuck right? Yeah. And then um, maybe get out and do some of your summer hiking and have a little bit of a uh, little talk about that. Because I know this summer we're probably going to work on a little bit of different, little diversity in start in dark starts. Uh, yeah. Some mountain biking, fishing. Hiking, mountain mountain running, um, mountain running. What? <laughs> Joe Grant, run, dude. Joe Grant, Joe Grant. I am not a, a runner. Joe Grant is a maniac. He listens to the show, and I want good to get for him Joe. On. Good for Joe. You run, Joe. He's making Go money. Go, Joe. It, so run, Joe. <laughs> I'm not a runner. <laughs> now well, let's start with uh, you guys coming out. Come for a shred. I'd love to take you. Out. I know we need. To uh, I'd love songs. to get out there with you, dude, and and get a taste of uh, what you totally. know, what you get after out there for sure, man. What was the first thing? Well, you told yeah, me and I mean, you guys have been so busy this year. You haven't been able to get out as much as you'd hoped. And oh, it's uh, been a crazy winter, man. Just nuts. But uh, but it was so nice to get out there last week and really enjoy it. And uh, definitely look forward to getting back out there. I, I need another totally. one of those weekends. Absolutely. Totally. I'm in. Maybe this time Let's Golden will open the doors and the gates for us and have the <laughs> big sign. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> man, I just want to go back and eat pizza at the Riv, man. That's fuck, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, the Riv had some wicked pizza. That's it was so sure. funny. It was, you know, Mike Wigley, who's, you know, you know, six whatever the hell. Six 11, four or whatever. Six eleven. 
Maybe. Is he? Yeah, dude, he's yeah, tall. Super tall, dude. And then there's little Chad and Darren, and I think I cr- we put three pizzas out, and Darren's like, you're eating more? And I'm like, just keep bringing it. Like, pizza? No problem. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, if you go to Golden, you got to hit up the Riv on a, what is it, Sunday, Monday? I think they yeah. do their wood fire yeah. pizza. So. Yeah. That was pretty the sick. The food was good. And then that taco place. and we, we Reposadas. Reposadas. Shout out to Reposadas. Yeah. That oh, was nice. Some... You guys go in the dome there? No. No, we didn't do, we didn't do the igloos, but uh, we did, uh, no, we just went sat down at uh, White Tooth Brewery, and we oh, enjoyed yeah, some nice. White Tooth, and we just ordered in some Reposadas from there. So that was pretty so sick. Good. It was great. Yeah. The mole chicken. That. I haven't done that yet. Oh, man. Yeah, they had some good tacos. Full, what was it called? The Full Metal? Metal? I remember my dark stout I had. It was fucking good though. Speed metal. Speed metal. Speed, Speed metal. metal dark yeah. stout. Yeah, it was good. Totally. Awesome. You live in a great little spot, man. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. I love it here. And that's one thing is uh, when people come and they book. A lot of times people say, "Oh, should we stay in Revy or Golden?" And you know, I'm a big fan of Revy too. I work there in the winter. But uh, usually when I when I do encourage people, I sell them on Golden. They're psyched at the end. They're like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" I yeah. didn't even really know about this place. Well, the food was good, and you know, we went into dark, star, dark side skate and snow shop, dark side skate and snow shop, and that was great. They were awesome in there. It yeah, was... Robin was stellar when we walked in there. Yeah, she picked us out right away. Well, you guys don't look like you belong here. No, you guys are bickering <laughs> like two old women. So you guys, you guys aren't from Golden. Where are you guys from? Oh, are you the podcast guys? <laughs> she was killing. Nice. Yeah. She was super cool. cool. Yeah. So yeah, how man. can how can yeah, people nice. find you? Let's give us give out some. Uh... Um. Yeah. My um. On the gram, I'm uh, at Ty Mills, and uh, then I also have my at AAA Backcountry Guides uh, on there as well. Uh, on Facebook, and yeah, my website, aaabackcountryguides.com. If you want to come out guiding, uh, or get a guide a day rather, or come out on a course or a trip or just check us out and uh yeah come out give me a shout i mean uh i encourage people to reach out if they're in the hood regardless you want to go for a beer get a little beta or i'll do my best to, to help you out mm-hmm. and actually this year i um we didn't even go down the hard boot soft boot road but no i wanted to um, that was my question fuck <laughs> that's yeah. all right we we have we have more to talk to ty about i think we need to revisit yeah. this for sure yeah i know we're at the two hour mark now yeah. so yeah okay yeah dude anyways don't worry, don't worry. i got lots of demo stuff too from ogasaka and for you. uh for you darren and phantom for yeah me. i have stuff for you darren what stuff what it's phantom yeah. stuff oh really oh yeah. sick yeah I'd i have to try that out those guys have set me up really well and so i have demo gear here so people who come out if they want to try try that stuff i got it I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, um, do what about your back? What about your uh, Facebook group? What's that? Uh, Golden Ski Touring and Sportboarding. Yeah, I just so, sent. I just sent my request, but I declined cool. to answer the questions. So uh, <laughs> it says it's. Well, I already know that. I already know. Yeah. Um. um yeah. No, I just started. <laughs> I don't. I don't really. Uh, I don't really look at that one as as my group because I I don't want people to feel like it is that that kind oh, of group anyways yeah but, but you're part of it so anyways yeah okay cool. yeah gotcha no, i'm psyched cool yeah well um 
Yeah, dude, we're super blessed you came on. Grateful. It was awesome. And I'm looking forward to hanging out and having some beers and going touring with you. Thanks, boys. In a few weeks. Yeah, and I guess uh, I give a shout out to a few peeps, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, shoot it. Give her. Yeah, um, the companies that have been supporting me, um, Ogasaka, Snowboards, um, Phantom, huge support. Really appreciate it. Um, Zeal Optics, 40 Tribes, Ambassador Program, and uh, Eagle Pass Heli Ski. Yeah. Thanks so much. Hell yeah, yeah, and then really, uh, yeah, got to give a big shout out to all my mentors too, and uh, you know the legendary John Buffery. But there's so many out there, and uh, I think yeah, hopefully you guys all know Buff. how much uh, you meant to me. So thanks a lot. Awesome, killer. That Buff's rad. So rad. <laughs> I need I need to talk to some. I need to talk to Buff. It's been a while. It's been a little bit, a little bit, uh, a few weeks too long. Yeah, back down to earth. Kind of like when I talk to you, I'm just like, man, it's so mellow. Ty picks up <laughs> entirely. Low. I'm like, dude, did you just wake up? Like, what's going on? Anyways, yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot. We really appreciate you coming on, taking the time, and talking about, man, who Ty Mills is, and of course, anybody who's looking to explore the golden area, definitely give Ty a shot, a shout, um, and a shot, of course, to uh, you know get out there and get some pow. Yeah, folks, listen up. Yeah, look look at the guide thing. I mean, look at the rates on the website and uh, get your buds together and, and throw down and get a guide for a day. goes a long way. Yeah, we'll show you around, show you a great time, and set you up for success. That's all you can ask for. Cool, man. Thanks, Ty. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good chatting with you. You too. Peace. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, thanks for listening and a special thanks to Ty for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Ty and all aspects Alpine in the show notes. And hey, if you're loving the podcast, be sure to stay in the know online at darkstarts.ca and follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast to share, review, and hit the subscribe button. Check back with us next week and catch our chat with Burton Ambassador Kate Ediger. While you're waiting for that one to drop, have a listen to episode 15 with Marty Schaefer of Kapow in Revelstoke, British Columbia. Chad and I want to give a special thanks to Bailey, Monica, and Pat, our awesome behind-the-scenes Dark Starts team, for helping to make all of this happen. Stay safe out there, everybody. Peace.